You're listening to the 14th edition of the Mashiach Podcast. This is a series that I began. The last episode was about eight years ago. And, you know, there's a lot of thoughts that I've had about Mashiach, a lot of which I've shared in the Parsha Podcasts. And there's a whole body of literature and a body of thought that I've looked at and I've seen and that I've wanted to share. And I felt in light of what's going on in the world currently, that perhaps it's the time to give a little bit of a taste of some of the thoughts that I have about Mashiach. And one of the things that spurs me to think about this and to discuss it and to talk it out, and I'd like it to be a conversation, I'd like some feedback, but there's a, a famous Medrash. The Medrash is in the Yalkut Shemoni. And the Yalkut Shemoni, it says like this. It's in Yeshaya Perik Samach. Shana Rabbeseinu. You might know these words. Bisho Shemelech HaMashiach Ba. At the time when the King Mashiach comes. Oimed Al Gag Beis HaMikdash. He stands upon the roof of the temple. V'hum HaShmiya Lehem L'Yisrael V'Oimer. And he makes it heard to the Jewish people. And he says like this. Anovim. O humble ones. He giyaz man The time for your redemption has arrived. V'im Einatem Maminim. And if you don't believe me, you need to see the light that shone, that has shined upon you. This is the Pasuk in Yeshaya Samach, the first Pasuk. Get up and shine, rise and shine, for your light has come. The honor of Hashem has shone upon you. So, the Medrash says to us something very difficult to understand. When we read this Medrash, so it says a, a future... Can you imagine this? Okay, Mashiach is standing on the base of Mikdash, and he says to the Jewish people, um, he says, look, it's, it's, it's time, it's the time. He gives Mangulesel, the time for your redemption has arrived. And if you don't believe me, look at the, the light that sh- has shone upon you. We're looking at Mashiach, we're looking at the temple, and he's saying, if you don't believe me that Mashiach has arrived, look at the light. In a measure, Shalom Darshani, it's something I've discussed before, but I want to discuss it again, and I want to, I want to bring it to its logical end. Because I want to take this Lamaisa. I want to take this Lamaisa. I believe the Medrash is saying something very powerful. The Medrash is saying that Mashiach... And I don't know if it's specifically specifically talking about the guy, the man of Mashiach, or if it's talking about the process of Mashiach. That's actually what I think may be the pshat. The process of Mashiach, if you listen to the previous Mashiach podcasts, and I do encourage you to go back to them, because there'll be a lot of information I'm not going to talk about, because I've already spoken about it. But if you understand, it's possible to talk about Mashiach, not just in terms of one person, Mashiach is somebody, you know, David HaMelech was, was a Mashiach. It means he was anointed. Shlomo HaMelech was Mashiach. Shaul HaMelech was Mashiach. Every single king of the Jewish people was called a Mashiach. He was anointed. And you could even have someone who's not Jewish, Koresh, Cyrus, the one who allowed the Jewish people to build the Beis HaMikdash, to build the Second Temple. He was also called a Mashiach. It means somebody who's anointed. He's raised above, just like oil. Oil is something that's raised above water. So too Mashiach is somebody who is on a spiritual level much higher, above us all, 
and therefore able to guide us in our relationship with Hashem and bring us through something that we don't know what to do. We don't know how to deal with it. We're in the water, we're on the bottom. Mashiach is on the top. He's the oil that rises to the top. He's Mashiach. The oil is poured upon his head because he's the head of the Jewish people. Shaul HaMelech stood a head above, a head above everyone else. But it's not just one person. It's also a process. Mashiach is a time. It's a time. It's, a, it's an idan. It's a period of time. And it's a process and it involves many people. And it involves the entire Jewish people because really, Kalal Yisrael is the Mashuach. It's the, the Jewish people are the oil that rises to the top of the nations. There are 70 nations. We are the 71st nation. We are the oil that rises to the top. So I'd like to suggest a pshat in this Medrash. That the Medrash is saying that at the time when the Mashiach comes, doesn't just mean, it could be that it literally means the Mashiach himself, the person himself. But I would like to say that it means also the time of Mashiach can come. We can be looking at Mashiach. We can be looking at a time that if you look at it from, you know, like standing outside of it, if you look at it from an objective perspective, instead of being inside of the story, if you look at it outside, it's possible to, to see that it's Mashiach. But if you're inside, you don't notice it. You don't realize it. That's why Mashiach says, it's the time for your geula. You, even though I'm here, you might not have noticed me. Even though I'm standing on the base Hamikdash on the temple, I don't, in, in this understanding, it doesn't mean literally he's standing on the temple. It means that he's standing on the foundation, which is the temple is about to be built. You can see, if you look carefully, that he's there, but you, you don't see him. You can see the temple is about to be built, but you don't see the temple. Says the Mashiach process, says the Beis HaMikdash, as he stands there on the Beis HaMikdash, he says to us, Anavim, O humble ones, and that's, that's important. O humble ones, it's the time. It's the time for your Geula. And if you don't believe me, if you're unsure about it, you need to look at the light that's been shining upon you. You need to look back over time, and you will see how it has grown. You will see how the time is already here. Right? And that's the Pasuk. And by the way, the word Kumi, of course, Kumi, which means to get up, means to rise up, is Gematria 156, which is the Gematria of Yosef and the Gematria of Zion. Because we're talking here about Mashiach bin Yosef, which is a process which is invisible. Just like Yosef at Tzadik, just like Joseph himself, the, the other tribes, his brothers didn't recognize him. He was right there in front of their face and they didn't recognize him. So too the Mashiach ben Yosef process is something which is right in front of our face and we don't recognize it. Unless we look back, it says, look at the light that has shone, that was shining upon you. You have to see my light, says Hashem. You have to look for me and you have to see that indeed, this is what's been going on. Okay, and I want to and I want to share a number of things. And I want to show you that there is an amazing if we can if we can step out of our reality for a moment, step out, move away from all the things we think and all the things that we know. All of our preconceived notions. Step back for a moment. Cuz I want to share with you a whole a whole group of thoughts and I don't believe I'll have the time to go through all of them in this first of this new series. The in this 14th podcast, I'm sure there'll be a 15th and a 16th. Bezrat Hashem, with Hashem's help. 
But what I want to do is I want to ask a whole group of questions. And I want to show you one amazing episode, one amazing foundational concept from the Grah. Something that he says, which amazingly, as is the case with anything which is deeply true, when you understand something down to its core, down to its root, you can take that concept and you can apply it in so many different ways and understand so many things. Let's start with some questions. You know, let's look at the recent history of the Jewish people, which in my opinion, we are holding already in actually the end, perhaps coming close to the end of the Mashiach and Yosef process. What? The end of Mashiach and Yosef? Mashiach? What are you talking about? We haven't seen Mashiach. Mashiach hasn't come yet. Well, let's look back. Let's understand who is Mashiach ben Yosef. Not necessarily the person of Mashiach ben Yosef. Let's understand what does the Mashiach ben Yosef process look like? To whom does it apply? Who is Mashiach ben Yosef? Who are the people of Yosef? And who are who is Mashiach ben David? And who are the people of David? Okay, so I'm actually, before I ask more questions, I want to read to you the Grah. The Grah says something just, it'll blow your mind. If you understand the ramifications of this, it will blow your mind. And this is in the Sefer Evan Shalema, which is a Likut. It's a, it's a, the Rav Malchin gathered together, it was a Talmud of the Grah, I believe. Rav Yitzchak Malchin gathered together um, a whole body of, of different statements of the Grah in different places. Hagoyin Rabbeinu Elio, the Balmaser of Klal Yisrael, of the literature world, and he says like this, listen to this carefully, okay? This is in chapter 11 of Evan Shlema. And this is a chapter that deals with Mashiach. Okay, he says like this, Just like when it comes to the Tvua, when it comes to, to wheat, there are three different types of, of uh, stuff that we throw away. There's the chaff, there's the stalk, and there's the 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 uh, the the stuff that comes in the whole grain, the suban, right? Which today, ironically, we eat, right? We we like to eat whole wheat. Came the Israel. This is also true in regards to the people of Israel. They're also compared to tfua. They're also compared to wheat. the pasuk says in Yirmiyah chapter one, "Rishes tfua is referred to as the first of Hashem's wheat. There are three types of psilas. There are three types of things that need to be removed in order to get down to the kernel and get to the root. These three things are Yishmael, the Arab world, the Esav, Esau, which is the Western world, the Erevrav, and within Klal Yisrael, there's a group of people who try to thwart the Jewish people's ability to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to come close to God. This is what happened. The Erevav were the ones who came, the mixed multitude who came out in the times of Egypt. They came out with the Jewish people. They were the ones who caused the sin of the golden calf. And we have their souls, till this very day, are mixed up amongst Kal Yisrael. V'neged Avraham V'Yitzchak says the girl like this, Corresponding to Abraham and Isaac, Shemehem Yatsu Esav Yishmael. Avraham, there was a, there were, he had two kids, right? He had Yishmael, who was the secondary thing, and then he had 
He had Yitzchak, who was the main child. And Yitzchak had, had two children. He had Esav, and he had Yaakov. Yaakov was the main child from whom Kali Yisrael would come, and Esav was the chaff. Corresponding to these two chaffs, Yavo Shnei Meshichim. Two messiahs will come. Right? Did you ever wonder? You may have heard about Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. You may not. You may not have. Did you ever wonder why we need two Mashiachs? There's a reason why. Because each of them corresponds to a different chaff that needs to be removed. Shehem Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David come to remove the chaff of each of these negative forces that block Klal Yisrael, that block the ability of the Jewish people to accomplish in the world, block the ability of the Jewish people to have a relationship with Hashem, block the ability of the Jewish people to return to Eretz Yisrael. David will remove this chaff. And the chaff will be, will be blown away. Just like the chaff of Tvua, it, it blows away with the wind. Ubeis Esav Lakash. The house of Esau is going to be like straw. Right? As a, that's he's bringing, he's quoting the Pasuk in Ovadia, which is actually a song that I have on my second album, um, which refers to the fact that the, the West, the world of Esau, will be destroyed, will be burned up. It will, it will be destroyed. And the world, clearly he's saying, the world of Yishmael will also be, will be removed and blown away with the wind. And this will be done by whom? It will be done by Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. Now, which one is which? Who does which? Okay. And then he goes on to speak about the, the heir of Rav, which I'm not gonna, I don't want to get into at this time. But it's very clear who does which. The one who has power over the West, the one who has power over Esav, is Yosef. There's a Rashi in Chomish, when Yosef is born, go look it up, brings this very Pasuk and says that Yosef is the power which offsets Esav. Mashiach ben Yosef also is the one who offsets Esav, the West. And Mashiach ben David is the one who offsets the, the world of Yishmael. Okay? Also, a very important point I want to read from the Gra. And, and I want to say that some of the ideas I'm going to share with you are, you know, explicit. The, the Gra said exactly what I just said. And uh, some of the ideas I'm going to share are going to be my own thoughts that are my own Chiddush. And therefore, you can take it or leave it. But the Graz says also here. This is in chapter eleven of Evan Shlema, in the second, in the second, um, the second section. Mitchila yigalu asara shvatim. V'yachar kach shevet Yehuda. First, the ten shvatim, the ten tribes will return, and then shevet Yehuda. Okay. Now, who was the leader of the ten tribes? Who was the leader of the ten tribes? And this is really important because I'm going to make an incredible jump. Who was the leader of the ten tribes? The leader of the ten tribes 
was Yosef, Ephraim. Yeroven ben Avot was, was supposed to be Mashiach ben Yosef. He was a failed Mashiach ben Yosef. According to certain fortune, that's why Mashiach ben Yosef has to die. See the Gemara in Sukkah, Mephorshim there. Nafnun Beis, Nun Gimel, around there. And Yeroven ben Avot was from Ephraim. Mashiach ben Yosef is from Ephraim. Right? He was referred to in the, in the Yalkut as Mashiach ben Ephraim. Mashiach ben Yosef is the leader of the ten tribes. Now, who are the, the ten tribes today? And this is where I start to theorize. We don't have the ten tribes today. Maybe, this is, uh, you know, these people are B'nai Menashe, these people are B'nai Dan. For all intents and purposes, my theory is like this, an amazing thing. Mashiach ben Yosef corresponds to the world of Esau, to the world of the West. Ashkenazic Jewry. That's, for the main, for the main part, and we'll, we'll see as we continue that there's a reason why these ru- rules or these concepts are not always completely, completely, you know, there's, what, what, what do you mean? The West is all, Ashkenazi, there are Svartim who live in the West. The, the, the Svartic world, I'm going to say, is the David world. But there are Ashkenazim who live in the Svartic world. Eretz Yisrael, what's Eretz Yisrael? How does that come into to play? We're, we're going to see, we're going to understand it. But, my, my theory is like this. Mashiach ben Yosef corresponds to Ashkenaz. Mashiach ben Yosef corresponds to the West, which is the world of Ashkenaz. And we're going to see that there are different ways that Mashiach comes in regards to the world of Ashkenaz, the world of the West, the world of Esav, and in regards to the world of Yishmael, the Sephardic world. And Mashiach ben David, who corresponds to the world of Yishmael, and the world of the Sephardic world. Okay, that's the foundation. That's the foundation of the idea that I'd like to share with you. And we'll see that it explains an incredible amount. Let's look for a moment at the difference between the Ashkenazic world and the Sephardic world over the last few hundred years. For the most part, again, everything here is a general idea. And there are exceptions to everything that I'm going to say. Because within, hear this, this is an important point. Within Mashiach ben Yosef, there is an aspect of Mashiach ben David. Within the world of Esav, there is an aspect of Yishmael. Within the Sephardic world, there is an aspect of Ashkenaz. Within the, within the Mashiach ben David world, there is an aspect of Mashiach ben Yosef. Within the world of Yishmael, there is an aspect of Edom, of Esav. Okay? What does this mean? How does this apply? Hopefully we'll see. But let's, let's look for a moment at the difference between the Ashkenazic world and the Sephardic world because it gives us a, an amazing insight which I think supports my theory. Actually, I came to this theory because of this question, partly because of this question. Isn't it interesting that the Ashkenazic world, for the most part, had a terrible Nisayan over the last few hundred years. That Nisayan was called Enlightenment, the Reform Movement, the Conservative Movement, these movements came about in a world of liberalism, in a world of enlightenment, in the non-Jewish world, in the Western world, which developed into atheism, and a denial of Hashem, chas v'shalom, and a denial chas v'shalom, of the authenticity of, of the Misora, of our tradition. That was almost exclusively, and of course, not completely exclusively, but almost exclusively in the world of Ashkenaz, in the world of Esav, in the world 
of the ten tribes. The ten tribes too were lost because of Avedizara, because of their because of who Yeravim Ben Avad, who was a failed Mashiach Ben Yosef. He failed, he led them on the path of idolatry. He could have been actual Mashiach Ben Yosef, turned back to HaKadosh Baruch who brought them into the temple. Instead, he separated them. I believe I've discussed this numerous times, but it's, it's worth reading the story in Malachim, in Malachim Beis, in, in, the, in the Second Kings, which talks about Yeravim Ben Avad and how that came about. But the world of Ashkenaz, because it's, it has that soul, the soul of the ten tribes, for whom Mashiach ben Yosef, the real Mashiach ben Yosef, is meant to come and be Mesakin, to, to rectify. Because that is their neshama, that is their soul, they are more prone to fall into the Avodah Zarah, the idolatry of the world. And that's the West. The idolatry of the West is atheism, liberalism, that whole, that whole belief, and that's the belief that the that happened in in Europe, it happened in America, and we have, you know, a spiritual holocaust in the states, which has to do with the world of Esav, the world of the ten tribes, the world of Mashiach ben Yosef. On the other hand, when we look at the Sephardic world, an amazing thing we see. The Sephardic world, for the most part, maintained traditions, wasn't challenged, was not challenged so much. There were places where it was challenged, but for the most part it wasn't challenged. Their traditions remained, and if you come to the land of Israel, which is the melting pot of the coming together of Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach and David, of the Ashkenazic world and the Sephardic world, you will see that those who are not religious, and they are Sephardic, they're much more inclined to be connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's not wearing a yarmulke, but he's saying, Bezrat Hashem, Yetov, Yesh li emunah. You know, I've, I've, write, I've ridden with numerous taxi drivers who are having incredible connection to Hashem. Often Sephardic. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not always true, but often Sephardi. Because the Sephardi world maintained tradition, wasn't challenged in the same way, because they're the David people. They're the people of Mashiach ben David. The ones who lived in the world of Yishmael. And when we compare Yishmael to Esav, we see the, a similar theme. Esav is the one, just like the ten tribes. The ten tribes end up doing Avayi Dezara and, and they become lost. The Western world is also the world that's lost, that becomes lost in atheism, etc., and, and liberalism. On the other side, the Yishmael people, the Arabs, they have a much deeper connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They haven't, they, they've been strengthening themselves. They've been reinforcing, okay, uh, they've also become radicalized, etc. I'm not saying that their world is perfect, but their focus, the Yishmael people, is we must maintain our connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We must contain our connection to God. So we have these two elements, the Yishmael world corresponding to David and the Sephardic world, and the Yosef world corresponding the Esav world, I'm sorry, corresponding to Yosef, Aser Sashvatim, the Ashkenaz world. Now, this is very powerful and it has tremendous, tremendous ramifications. I'm not going to have time to get into, to get completely in to the next point. But I'd like to give you a little hint to it and we'll see if we, we talk about it next time.
This is Gemara. The Gemara is in Sukkah. And it's uh, on Daf, like I said, Nun Beis, Nun Gimel, around there, where it's talking about Mashiach ben Yosef. It's the only Gemara in Shas that talks about Mashiach ben Yosef. But not only does it talk about Mashiach ben Yosef, it also talks about Mashiach ben David. The Gemara there says something, and we need to understand, as I understand it, as I understand it, we need to understand that when we speak about Mashiach ben Yosef, we're talking about a person. And we're also talking about a process. We're also talking about part of Klai Yisrael, which I would say is the Ashkenaz world. Listen clear, listen here. This is mitzamrer, this is chilling. The Gemara says, brings a Pasuk, it's a Pasuk in Zechariah, I would like to read to you, read to you inside. Sorry, Vesapta Haaretz. Okay, the pasuk is, is talking about it's in Zechariah Perikud Beis, chapter twelve. Vesapta Haaretz Mishpachis Mishpachis Levad. The land shall Vesapta. They will. There will be a eulogy, a great eulogy. What's the eulogy for? Everyone will be eulogizing Mishpachas Beis David Levad and Neshem Levad. The family of, of David will be eulogizing alone, their wives alone. Pasuk says the families will all be eulogizing alone, 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 alone. Can, can you imagine? It's a terrible thing. We know what it's like. I have a cousin who passed away, my cousin Noach Dear. There was no opportunity for them to, to eulogize. They were all alone. No opportunity for them to have a shiva all alone. The pasuk is saying, "Visapta, visapta." There will be this eulogy. The, the word "visapta" is Gematria Yosef, 156. Visapta, there will be a time when Mashiach ben Yosef dies, according to the Gemara. That's the Gemara says in Sukkah, and there will be this awesome eulogy, terrible eulogy. So everyone will be doing tshuva because of the fact that he died. This great hero, this great leader of Klal Yisrael. Now, the Gemara says, and we're running out of time here, because I have a limit of 30 minutes on this camera. The Gemara says that when David, Mashiach ben David sees that Yosef has died, Mashiach ben Yosef has died, so he says, Hashem, Hashem says to him, whatever you request, I, I, I will grant you. And Mashiach says, I just want life, excuse me, I just want life. I just want to. I just want to be able to live. He saw Mashiach when Yosef died. He doesn't want to die. Hashem says to him, "Don't worry. Don't worry. I promise you, you will not die." David Hamelech, your great great grandfather, he prayed on your behalf that you should live. He prayed on your behalf that you should live. And therefore, you don't have to worry. You're going to stay alive. The character. The character of Mashiach ben Yosef, the character of that world, is one, it can be spiritual death. It's, it's when the climax, when the climax of the Mashiach ben Yosef process happens, it comes along with the death of Mashiach ben Yosef. When the climax of Mashiach ben David's process happens, it comes with life. 
It comes with life. And we're going to see next time a very powerful, very powerful lesson in this. And I'll just end with a question, which we'll speak about next time. There's a story, and I'd like to read it to you actually inside. It's a true story. It happened about 100 years ago during World War II. And you can find it in the Sefer Lev Elio, or of Elio Lapian. And he quotes from Rabbi Hanan Wasserman. He says like this, And now, in the times of the footsteps of Mashiach, you need to know what Chazal said, that before Mashiach comes, Klaisos need to learn Torah in a very difficult time. In a very time where it's impossible. Confusion. Times of confusion. But this learning, this learning will be something which brings the redemption. He says like this, We don't know what's going to be in the future. He says it's quiet now in the land of Israel. How long will this be for? We, only Hashem knows. And this is this is what he says. I heard in London from the from the mouth of Rabbi Chanan. Okay, Rabbi Elia Lapian heard this from the mouth of Rabbi Chanan Wasserman, who was a Talmud of the Chavetz Chaim. He said, and this is during World War Two. He said in the name of the Chavetz Chaim, Shechazal Armim Shemalchemes Goygu Magog Yeshalish Ba'amim. Our sages say that. This war will be, there will be a three-pronged war of Gog and Magog. You can see this inside, by the way. This is, at the end of Parshas Yisrael, in, in the Chelek Beis of Chachma Musar. Um, there's going to be a three-part war. The first, V'amar Chavz Chaim, Chaim said that this World War One was the first of the three wars. He said in about 25 years there will be a second one. There will be a second World War. That the first one will be like nothing compared to it. Afterwards, there will be a third Gogumagog war. Yaakov, it will be a time of difficulty for the for the people of, of Yaakov, for the Jewish people. But we will be saved from it. Okay? Now, when we read this story, it's of course scary. It's crazy. And I I always wondered though. I always wondered, and we'll talk about this next time. Why? What? What is it? What's the first one? What's the second one? Why are there three? Are, are they the same? They're all part part of one system. We see that the third one hasn't come yet. Rebellious Svei, one of the Rosh Hashivas of, of Philadelphia Yeshiva, used to say, seventy years. He heard from Rebel Khan in seventy years, which has passed already. Which I believe. I've shot in that too, but uh, the third one—it's—it's it's distant in time from the first two. We haven't experienced it yet, 
So what is this about? Why are there three? Why was it that World War One and Two, for the most part, affected the world of Asa, the West? It had an effect, no question, on the world of Yishmael, but a different kind of effect. It didn't really take place there. What's the difference? What's the concept? So, I invite you to stay tuned. It's Hashem. We'll see more about this next time. Thanks for listening.